Commissioner Evaluation Show. I'm John McGlynn, and you can find me on the Twitter machine at John McGlynn75. My third trip to Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio was last weekend, and again, it did not disappoint. Great time. Now I'm back, and this is the annual reminder that it's time to get out of the horn and start sending out those wake-up texts to all your friends and family about dates for the annual redraft parties. Scheduling a draft and collecting league fees are the only real pains in the butt, but uh, improving your leagues it should be the priority, so We'll discuss that in some commission questions sent in by listeners. You know, they have some issues of their own. We'll breeze through some NFL news, injuries, rumors. We'll review some trades that went down in the Mighty McGlynn home leagues. And we'll see who won out. We'll try to figure out who won out anyway. Finally, we'll evaluate a Mighty McGlynn Dynasty home league roster to see what direction it seems to be headed. And we'll walk through some ideas to get it back on track. Put it on the path to get some you know, rebuild or remodel kind of status and see where it needs to be. So, JT, you haven't been here in a while, man. What's... uh? What's going on? Tell everybody about yourself, all that, where they can find you, all that stuff. And then tell me about your first Expo experience. Give listeners a quick recap of, you know, your fancy football Expo experience, the arrival, the interactions, the events you attended, the fluidity of the weekend, all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, gone on vacation, a bunch of other stuff recently. Uh, kind of crazy summer this year for me, a little more uh, busier than usual. Uh, but yeah, back you can find me at JT Orange on X or the Twitter, the X Twitter. That's what we should start calling it, X-Twitter. Also, the host of The Stew with JT Brew. You can find that on the Dynasty Pros uh, Football Guys YouTube channel. And I also do ITP content and rankings for DLF. I just updated those. So if you're getting ready to do a a draft, I just updated them last night. So they're fresh, brand new. Uh, That's my main stuff. Find me at all that answer anything on Twitter. I played any kind of league, every type of league. So I will talk about anything. Expo. What would you, John? Great time. My first expo ever. I've been to a lot of, I own a brewery. So I've been to a lot of uh, brewery conventions and it kind of reminded me a lot of the brewery conventions I went to and I've gone to over the years. Really good time. Super fun. Met a ton of people. The one thing I, they need to do next year, though, is on your name tag, they need to put what your Twitter handle is on your name tag. Because <laughs> I saw so many people, once I figured out who they were, and I was like, oh, that's who you are. Because so many people don't have their picture in their Twitter page. And so when I went there, I was like, I'm like kind of recognizing the name. And some people don't even have their real names on there, but I'm mostly recognizing names, where they work for, all that stuff. But that was the one thing that threw me off. And you were really good. You you pointed out a bunch of people, and you're like, oh, that's so-and-so. And I found myself telling people, I'm like, oh, I'm JT Orange on Twitter. So they knew where to like connect me and I, and if I was in a league with them or stuff like that. But I thought it was a great time. Met a ton of people, a lot of good stuff to do. I hadn't been to Canton in about 20 years, over 20 years. So the Hall of Fame was awesome walking through there. I mean, it's grown and 
been updated so much since I went there my senior year of high school. Uh, just walking through there was amazing, reading everything. Uh, it was just a super fun weekend. I'm already looking forward to next year. Dennis, how about you? I finally got to meet you in person, man. I love your show. Uh, how was your expo experience? You know, I have been to all of them, and it just keeps getting bigger and better. You know, I don't – John, we spent – close to an hour together on uh draft night out day, hanging out at the, uh, whatever, I forget what that place was. I don't know how I didn't meet JT if he was with you. <laughs> we ran Me into Jay. each other a couple different times. And the one time we just were hanging out, sitting there at the table talking and, and you know, somebody came and sat with us, but it wasn't him. Nick came and then uh, Colin came and a couple other people came, a bunch of people came in and out cause they just got done drafting. But yeah, it was uh it was kind of crazy the people you bumped into. A lot of times, because I don't watch videos, I listen to podcasts. I didn't. I don't know who people are by faces. I have no idea what they look like. And they start talking to me. I'm like, I know you. You're JJ Zacharyson. I know you. You're you're so and so. You're so and so. So I had to put the the the, the name to the voice instead of the name to the face. But it, I, I met a lot of people the last couple of years, so it ended up being okay. But um, it was a for me. It was a great time. It was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, First of all, I, Dennis, it, go ahead. The, uh, so the, the way that Bob has been growing the event and it seems like the hall of fame is starting to invest in it. Like they want to have the event there. They're psyched about it. And, and so to be able to, to have that opportunity to go to the hall of fame, to have the, the Saturday night party in the stadium on the mezzanine there to have the flag football tournament inside uh, in the dome. It was, it was really a really fantastic event. And, and it's hard because, you know, there's, there's probably a thousand people there and you want to meet and have conversations like you and I had with all of them and you just can't. And so there's always this sort of sense of who did I miss the day after you're gone? Like, I know there were people there, you know, I've talked to Casey Kasem several times and at the, at the expo, you know, we kind of gave the nod, hey, how you doing with the, we'll get back, we'll, we'll chat later. And, you know, and we never did. And it's just, you see people like that. The highlight for me was I walked up and I inserted myself in a group and I said, hey, Derek, I'm Dennis Bennett to Derek Brown. And Derek said, I know who the fuck you are. Nice. And that was like, all right, that's cool. I feel pretty, I feel, that makes me feel pretty awesome. So, but you just got to go there and put yourself out. You're going to meet people and you're, Unfortunately, you're also going to forget names. You're going to, you know, there's so much going on. It's such a whirlwind. And you, Bob has the, the agenda packed with events. And, and you've seen people are making their own events, like the karaoke and going to George's and all of these things. And so it, it's hard to keep up with. And, and, you know, an old dude like me runs out of gas. Yeah, it's uh. It was good times. George's is a staple. For, I found that year one, and I've been there ever since. So they got good chicken wings, good good all that stuff, and good camaraderie. Everybody seems to go there, hang out with each other, and that's where all the good times happen. But uh, but um, Dennis, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us where the people can find you about. Let me know about yourself. Where the fantasy football people can find you. Where where else you're on social media, all that kind of stuff. So I'm at uh, Culture underscore Coach on uh, the X Machine. I used to call it the Twitter machine. Now it's the X machine. Um, I'm in the Dynasty Nerds Facebook chat. I monitor 
um, that and I host office hours there on Sundays in the Dynasty Nerds Discord. I do office hours in there on Sundays. Uh, we do kind of a multi-platform. Um, I do do some shows on, in the in the Nerd Herd Discord for Dynasty Nerds. The managing editor at Dynasty Nerds. And then I'm the host, one of the hosts of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. We've been around for, uh, I think we're coming up on seven years. This will be, I think this will be our seventh season, maybe our sixth. I could be wrong. Um, you know, I still have to ask my wife how many years we've been married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've been doing that podcast anywhere from two to five days a week for the last six or seven years now. And, and you know, we go redraft kind of in season, dynasty in the off season with a little bit of touch on dynasty in season. Um, you know, we have a listener league. It's it's a show that I've just grown to love to do. I, my two hosts, co-hosts, Matt Bruning and Matt Fox, uh, they're both with Campus to Canton. Um, Matt Fox is also uh, a movie critic. And so uh, oh, what's that site he writes for? It's out of Nashville, but he's a movie critic. He's part of the Denver um, um, some movie critic alliance out there. I should I should listen to him more, so I, I know these <laughs> more specific things about him. Um, but you know that's that's I write and edit for Dynasty Nerds, and then I do the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. Oh, and I'm a co-host with Garrett Price. I come in the second hour Thursday nights on the Better Sports Network on the Dynasty Nerd Show there as well. So if you want to check out the Better Sports Network, there's lots of uh, lots of great names on there. You know, Lisa Ann's on there. Howard Bender's on there. Uh, Adam Ronis was, but now he's gone. He just signed a new deal with another company. Um, uh, the Front Yard Fantasy guys, Coupe Fiasco, um, Rick Kamla, uh, Corey Parsons, Nando Defino's been affiliated with us. So there's lots of great guys on the Better Sports Network, guys and gals doing all kinds of sports betting shows and fantasy shows. So I don't know where you find all the time to do all that stuff, but what do you do outside of content creation, like family, pets, music, hobbies, all that kind of stuff? Um, well, I don't listen to music like I used to. I'm very tunnel focused with music now. I have an 18 year old son who has a death metal band called Black Powder. And so believe it or not, I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a death metal guy, but I'm finding an appreciation like the band Death and Chuck Schilding are, are like that's his jam. Now, Chuck died at 32 from cancer. Um, they actually have a, a benefit show in Fort Wayne, Indiana on in uh, let's see, September 24th for a, a local musician there who got hit by a car. So they're, they're going over to Indiana in Fort Wayne, Indiana to play that show. September 24th, but I'm like trying to learn my way around death metal. You know, the vocals are what everybody has trouble getting over. And so I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how it works. What's a melody. And, and in part, because my son is also the singer as well as lead guitarist of his band, uh, co-lead guitarist. So, you know, I, I like what they're doing. I spent 10 years chasing a music dream uh, and hung it up when I was 30 and so to be able to help him and foster that in him has been fantastic. He starts at Ohio State Friday. He's doing the uh, jazz guitar program, jazz guitar performance program uh, at the Ohio State University. And which is kind of a, there's, there's quite a gap between death metal and, and jazz, but he's gonna do his best to bridge that gap. 
my 12 year old is a big sports kid, loves baseball and basketball, and he's gearing up to try out for the seventh grade basketball team and getting ready to start playing fall ball, uh, baseball. And so we're kind of doing that. My wife and I, you know, we make time to spend together. We, you know, our thing right now is we're watching Suits on Netflix, um, just trying to get through that and watching that. And we like, uh, I don't know, you ever watched Alone? Uh, I love, I watched Alone. I love Suits. Suits was one of my favorite yeah. shows. I'm actually re-watching it. I watched it originally when it came out, and I'm watching it again uh, just because I like that show so much. But I'm an old school death metal punk kid from growing okay. up. So I love all the hard stuff. I've lived in so many hard bands. I've been to concerts. People used to ask me all the time. I was like, you were really like angry person. I'm like, no, not at all. Why? Right. They're just like, why do you listen to that music? I just loved it. I had a, a buddy that got into it in high school and he kind of turned me on to it. And I just love the hard guitars, the drums, the double bass, all the stuff, the musically that they do. People think it's just noise, but it's so difficult. Once you realize how talented those guys are and how fast they're playing and how they're still hitting those notes, it's wild. It's like you start, when you see those people more and more, when you see people live, you get more appreciation for how difficult what they're doing is. And I'm a, I'm an old school screamo guy. So I love the screaming. I know people don't, but I always tell people, the more you listen to that kind of stuff, your ear gets trained and you start hearing the words as opposed to just the noise. as just the screamers. You actually start hearing the words. And one thing that I think is highly underrated is the writing in death metal and heavy metal, the writing of actual songs and the lyrics are so good. I know people, it's hard for people to attach to them because of the yelling and the screaming, but so many bands I've listened to growing up, I thought had some of the best lyrics I'd ever heard. And when a lot of those bands came out with like slower versions or like acoustic versions of those same songs, people were like, Oh my gosh, this is an amazing song. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's great. Right. Right. So that's awesome. Him. I am definitely, uh, I'm definitely going to have to have you send that to me on uh, Twitter, his band. I'm going to have to look them up and check them out because I also think I was saying you going into jazz um, guitar. I actually used to listen to a band called living sacrifice out of Arkansas. And one of their guitarists, he actually came out with an entire acoustic album that was nothing but like blues and jazz guitar. And it was awesome. It was totally different than anything he had ever played. So I definitely think you can make mesh those and figure out how uh, those things can work. And one can make you better at the other. Yeah. For him, like, so when I started playing, I wasn't good enough to figure out other people's songs. So I started writing. Well, he's got access to YouTube and all this stuff. And so since he's been playing, he can find whatever song he wants to learn, no matter how difficult it is. And, and he can learn it. So where he struggles is in writing, and that's been a, a labor of love for him to learn how to write. And the jazz guitar stuff, he's going to be focusing a lot on composition. And so for me, when I look at where he's going, how he's approaching this stuff, it, it's it's really phenomenal to watch the work that he puts into it. Um, you know, and he's the guys he's in the band with are all good. Like they've been rehearsing it. Our our seventy seven year old neighbor lets them rehearse in his house. That's awesome. Like he gave them a key and it's like, even if I'm not home, you guys can rehearse. My wife's like, John, how late, how late can they play? And he's like, Oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'll just take my hearing aids out. (laughs) And so like, sometimes they rehearse until two in the morning and it's just like, 
is what it is. He's he's known Caleb since Caleb was, I think, probably four years old. And it's like a grandson to him. And, and it's just, we just have a great relationship with the neighbors. So, you know, we, we just kind of are, are plugging away at it. That's awesome. Yeah, I love to hear that kind of stuff. What's your favorite part about being in this fantasy industry? A writing, podcasting, ranking, interacting? Like, what's what's your favorite part about this whole thing, Dennis? Winning. Winning. There you go. There you go. There JT, you go. what's your favorite part about this whole thing? You're getting into podcast thing now. Well, the, the, the biggest thing I, I like to fancy, I like the strategy, and I just like the camaraderie of, like, playing against everybody and just and just every week, like, the challenge of it. You know, growing up playing sports my whole life, you know, when you get out of sports, you're looking for that rivalry. You're looking for that competitiveness. And to me, that's what I love. I love the competitiveness. And I love being on teams like co-owners with other people where we can – discuss strategy who do you want to draft who do you want to trade i love that side of things i feel like it keeps me involved with friends that i maybe wouldn't talk to as much of it that wasn't the case so how many times have you guys got this question when people find out you do content so do you ever like lie to people about your like who you like and who you don't because people will ask me that and i'll be like no why and they're like so you just like you're willing to put out everything you think about these fantasy football players and let your league mates read it and listen to it. I'm like, yeah, like if I'm any good at what I do, them knowing what my plan is doesn't matter because I always have something to pivot to. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, it, it, I can't remember tell if, if I start trying to tell lies and and give people misinformation, what that's going to dilute my brand and who I am. And and it's just like, that's not worth it. If you want to know my opinion, like literally we could be in a draft and you're picking in front of me. And I'll honestly tell you who I would pick if I was there, because I know if you pick that person, I've got somebody else that I would take or another mm-hmm. strategy that I would employ, depending on where I'm at. That's just to me that that's what makes us good at what we do. Yeah, I never have any draft picks. So that's kind of where I'm at. Rookie, I go to rookie drafts. All my leagues are home league, home league sitting around. So I'm like, oh man, I would probably take this guy over that guy, or vice versa. You know, I, I just give advice when I'm sitting at. I sit there once in a while. I'll try to trade for a pick, but for the most part, I'm just people will come up to me. What do you think about this? Who should I take between these two? And I'm like, well, this is this, and this is that, and that's you know, whoever the people they ask about. I, I find myself pretty well prepared with all that uh, draft information, but you know, it may not be 100% accurate. Nobody, nobody can tell the future, but I do the best I can. I prepare, I prepare pretty damn well, and I have a pretty good idea of what's going on, but. You know, that's like no, nobody's 100% perfect, but we call it try as hard as we can. So, my you, fandom, co- I was gonna right. say, my fandom comes through a lot. So, people know who I like, they knew who I'm shooting for. They're gonna go after my guys sometimes. And I'm like, hey, if you want to try to stake me on a player, you know, a Steelers player, or a Colts player, or somebody, that's fine. I'll go somewhere else. And I'm in so many leagues with so many of the same people yes. that I, that to me, they kind of know where I'm doing. I mean, there's no hiding it, whether I say it on the internet or whether I just go to drafts and draft normally, people know where I'm going. They, they know guys that I like. They know guys that I'm kind of targeting. So I don't think about that at all. I, don't, I never think, like, I don't want to give anything up in case somebody tries to, you know, snipe this guy for me. So I guess that is a, a question that makes sense, people asking, but I just don't think about it that way. I traded up to get Jaden Reed and Roshan Johnson in these last drafts I was in, and uh, those two guys in the next draft where I had, like, 204, 207, like they were already gone by the time, which they should have been anyway. But like people made sure that I couldn't trade up to get those guys because there was again like six, seven people in the same draft that carried over. 
the one up up north where we were at after the Scott Fishbowl draft. But yeah, it happens, man. It is what it is. So uh, how how do you keep fresh on like player news, player values, like where they're where they're going? I, I do I do a lot of trending. I trend a lot of different sites. I trend a lot of different uh, AD, not so much ADP, but my favorite people's rankings. See where they got people ranking. I, I, I as soon as the season's over with, I start before the draft. I, I find out that's it's important to know the values before the draft, and it's important to know the values right after the draft. And then it's fine. It's it's awesome to know the values right before actually the season starts because I want to see where they were, what people thought they were going to be, and where they ended up before the season. And then I like to find out the end of the season. How people, how correct people were, or where they felt, where they fared as far as their rookie uh, rankings were concerned. How do you stay on top of stuff, Dennis? So for me, I think you need to have some news sources, aggregators that you're going to get the information as quick as it comes out. You know, sleepers pushing out news. The Fantasy Life app is the fastest news reporter. Like when something happens, they're usually like 30 seconds ahead of sleeper hitting my phone, popping up there. And, and so when somebody gets dinged up in practice or leaves practice early, whether they're walking off on a, or they're on a cart, you know, that tells me like what's happening right now. And then I can determine, well, what do I need to keep track of? Like Joe Burrow and his calf. Well, they're saying, you know, initially they're like, oh, everything's going to be okay. But, you know, we know when, right after practice, the coach doesn't really know. So you have to, that's something you go, okay, I have to follow this one a little bit closer. So once you find out like who's going to give you the, the stuff when it breaks and then, you know, whether it's Rappaport or Schefter, getting those, getting that information and then making sure you keep track of it. So, you know, what's going on. You know, we've been following Brees Hall, uh, not Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook to the Jets for what seems like three months, you know, did we think it was going to happen? I think most, the majority of people thought it was likely to happen, even though they were, you know, he was tied to Miami and uh, stopped in Buffalo, checked in with New England. You know, it, it looked like New York, New York was where he was looking to go. So when that finally does happen, you know, we've already built that into how we feel about Brees Hall and how we feel about Dalvin Cook. You know, he wants to go play with Aaron Rodgers and take a chance on winning a title. Can you blame him? So when you're when you're getting the news, you have to be able to differentiate what's real, what's not, and kind of start to sort it out. And then you can work that into your content and how you share your opinions on what's happening. Yeah, well, a lot of times where there's smoke, there's fire in these situations. And there was smoke for a long time, although the smoke trail was in a couple different places. Yeah, it was it was mainly burning in New York, and we kind of figured that they were going to make some kind of a move to make that happen. It was, I think they both wanted it a little too much. And for Dalvin Cook, that might have been. I mean, Miami was a pretty damn good place to go too. But it, I think uh, he had a better, possibly thinking maybe he had a better opportunity, or they offered more money, or whatever it was. But he would have been, he would have fit fine in both places anyway. So, oh, uh, so what's what's your last question? I ask everybody, what's your favorite food when you're glued to the TV watching Red Zone on Sunday afternoons? I don't know that I have a favorite food. So like I spent 25 years in the restaurant industry and throughout the course of the relationship I've had with my wife, like we'll go places and like we can go to someplace probably 30 different times and I might not have the same dish twice. 
because I, I just check things out. You know, I like the usuals. I, I like Doritos. I like pizza rolls. I like pizza. You know, I, I, I'm more of a chicken finger person than a chicken wing person because I'm lazy. So, you know, having to mess with the bone and stuff, it, 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 I, I get it. People, you know, the wing zealots are like, oh, the flavor is just different. Great. That's fine. It's different. But, you know, I, I like pulled pork and, it, you know, with barbecue sauce or buffalo sauce and, you know, those type of sliders. So it, it just depends on, you know, what we're doing as far as, you know, because a lot of times I'm Sunday morning, I'm doing shows, I'm doing forums, getting ready for the games to kick off. And then once the games kick off, unless it's, you know, one of my teams, i.e. the Lions or the Browns, um, I may go and spend family time. I've set my lineups. I'm probably not going to make any changes for the four o'clock lineups or not a lot anyways. And so there are times I'll go out. Well, as a family, we'll go do stuff. Um, but whenever I can, I'm, I'm all about the, you know, all day football watch. And I do that as often as I can. So, you know, it could be brunch, then followed by tacos me at mid afternoon, you know, and then pizza for dinner. Uh, well, I spend all day watching. It's it's not healthy, John. It's not no, healthy. never is. And JT works. JT owns a couple of restaurants. He's got to sit around and just stuff it, stuff barbecue pork in his face all day long. I'd be four if I'd be five hundred pounds if I did that. I always laugh at people. They're always like, "Oh, you must be eating all the time." I'm like, I actually eat less because I work at a restaurant because I'm always busy. I'm always doing stuff. I felt like I didn't eat a warm meal for like five, six years. Because every time I went to get something to eat, it's the classic thing in a restaurant. Second I make myself something to eat, something goes wrong, somebody needs me, and it just sits there for 30, 45 minutes before I get back to it. I own a food truck. I always tell people the food truck, if we're slow, make yourself something to eat. We'll immediately get 20 people to walk up to the truck the second you make yourself something to eat. It just it never fails. It's just the way it always ends up working. Yeah, I would tell people and they'd be like, hey, what's it like managing a restaurant? I'd say, well, you've got 55 minutes of every hour where nobody needs you. Yep. And then five minutes where everybody in the building needs you. It's all or nothing. It's always all or nothing. It's sprinting. It's everything's fine. And then it's like you just get crushed. Yeah, that's that's the restaurant industry. That's for sure. All right. So let's jump to some commissioner questions now. Dennis, how many leagues do you commission? I only commission three. I'm, I, I'm kind of quasi-commissioner. I, I, I hold the title of commissioner of the Dynasty Nerds Give Back League, but, but it's hosted on MFL. And if I'm being honest, well, I can use it as a, a player just fine. I'm not terrific with the backdoor stuff. So all the leagues that I actually commission are on Flea Flicker. I'm a huge Flea Flicker fan. Um and so I commissioned three, and I'm in about 20. You should try fan tracks. <laughs> so we uh, – oh, JT, how many leagues do you commission? Uh, I'm at four right now. Um, I'm in about – man, I've really gone up in leagues. I think I'm about 35 or 36 leagues at the moment. But I commission four. Two of them have been my home leagues. I've been commissioned for – Man, 15 plus years. So I have two of about 15 plus years. I've got another one. I started with a buddy. He was going to commission it. Of course, I was supposed to go commission, and now I do everything. Uh, that was about five or six years ago. That's my huge IDP league. That's full out, my big money league. Um, 
in that one. And then I took over a league on RSO. Uh, that's a salary cap league that I didn't want to commission, but I took it over because I really didn't want this league to fail because I think it's super fun. And so when the commission quit, I took it over because I wanted to keep it alive. So to my two home leagues, I run uh, now three home leagues. And then that one league that has kind of started turned to home league because I keep recruiting guys that I know to replace all the guys I didn't know when I joined the league myself. What's the best way to start a new dynasty league? Auction, snake, half and half? Like, Dennis, what do you want? You're in a league now. What do you do? What, like, you look for auction leagues, you look for snakes, you look for, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, it, it depends on my mood, to be honest. Like, I think auctions are, are fantastic. And I, I like slow auctions because I've gotten into the dynasty mindset. And so I'm perfectly fine starting an auction in January and letting it, you know, run until April. To, while you go through that, that to me, that's not a huge deal, uh, you know, with, with people bidding up and bidding up and bidding up and whatnot. So I, I'm not, I, I like auctions a lot. Like I used to be in a couple fast auctions where, you know, it, it would be about a four hour slog. And I thought those were fun too. I didn't mind that at all. Um, and that was, those were, a redra- that was a redraft league. So you were going through it. Now I, I, I like, Snake drafts, I think they're, you know, they're fun, but I like auctions too. I, would I say I have a preference? You know, not really. The last league that I actually started uh, was a 12-team standard scoring league, and, and we did a snake draft. And I felt, you know, I, I started that because, you know, I do some standard content, and I realized I didn't have any standard leagues. And so it might be beneficial for my process to actually play in a standard league and, and so I, I started that uh, a couple, three years ago. So I, I, I think that for convenience, I, I think it's easier to do auctions with people you know. If you've got a group of like half you know and half are friends of friends or people that you met somewhere, I think auctions can get a little bit cumbersome um, as opposed to snake drafts. So uh, I, to me, it feels like, the more you know a group of people, the easier it would be to do an auction. But you know, auctions aren't everybody's cup of tea. No, they're not. I, I love doing them, but I'm terrible at them because I go after my favorite guys and I spend too much money and I walk out with the same people and my team looks the same everywhere and I spend too much money. I have no I have money left and it's bad. But I, I agree with what you said before because every year, this is like my sixth year in a fishbowl and all these people get in there that never draft online or only in like one league or something like that. And they get in a fishbowl and they want to, what's going on? Why is it taking so long? Blah, 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 blah. I said, you guys, be careful what you wish for because everybody's going to draft and it's going to be over with. And you pushed everybody. And then your experience is going to be done. You'll be sitting there for three months with nothing to do but sit on your hands waiting for the league to start. I said, just take your time and enjoy the draft. You, know, you can get a different draft after this if you want to, but this one's going to go fast enough. JT, what's your favorite startup? Yeah, so for me, it totally depends on the type of league. Uh settings money involved and like like he said i think exactly if you're gonna do like a big auction to me you it's got to be people you know it's got to be people you know people that you you i mean you physically have their cell phone number like to me that's what you got to do it so if i'm doing a big money auction startup dynasty league i'm doing auction because i just feel like it's the fairest form so when i did my big 500 dollar league 
we did an auction and it took forever because we were IDP full league 40 man rosters that now are 45 man, but it was a long, long draft. But I told people I wanted people committed because it was going to be a big money league. I wanted everyone involved. I didn't want people dropping out. And so we did auction for that league. And I thought that was the way to go the fairest way to go for a league that you want to go a long time. Now I'm also in an auction keeper league that I run with local guys. And it's and like you said, it's, I do it on, uh, do it on sleeper. It like usually takes like two to three hours, um, two keepers at the price you paid the year before. It's a fun league. The best thing I like about dynasty, just dynasty fantasy football in general is I like variety. So I want to be in a bunch of different leagues that I want different scoring. I want auction. I want, you know, slow draft. I want fast draft. I want to mix it up. Um, and that's why I like it so much. So if I'm in a big time league with a lot of money, I want auction style because I want to be able to get who I want to be able to get and not be determined on draft position only, but I have no problem in a startup. That's, you know, with a couple friends or people you don't know online, and it's 20 bucks, 50 bucks, and you just want to do stake style, that wouldn't like make me not want to do a startup. But if yeah. it was like a big, big, big money league, I'd want to do auction because I wouldn't want to just lose out on Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurst or Josh Allen because I drew the 110 pick. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that to me, especially when I, I my one's a two QB league, and I was like, we can't do a two QB snake draft for a $500 league. Like that's, I mean, yeah. you're at the end of the draft. You're, I mean, it's just, it's just not fair. So I think it totally depends on league settings. And like you said, auctions is a totally different beast. Me and you did that one auction draft together. And we're like, I feel like these guys are going too cheap. I got a bid on them, but then I see, you know, you have no money left and you're yeah. sitting there watching great values come off the board. So yeah. I like both. I think it definitely is league dependent for me. It is 100% lead dependent. It's 100% who you're with, and it's 100%. I find myself, I like the half auction and then a half slow draft for the second half of the draft. We had a 14-team super flex league. So you, all the good players are pretty much out of the mix in the first 10 rounds or 15, whatever it is. You have your draft out, your auction. $1,000 budget for 10 rounds, and then $1,000 budget for the last the next 10 rounds. And then the first half is auction, the second half is slow draft. It's super good that way. Nobody's in a big rush. You take your time. It is a fast draft. Everybody's got to be online to get it together at the same time. But it is a fast draft, and those are – just give it a chance one time. 14 teens, super flex, uh, and a fast auction. It, it, man, it's it's so much fun. It's it's it literally <laughs> – you're like the guy from Airplane, the movie Airplane. You're sweating all over the place. You're like, ah. It's, it, you know, it, it, but it, it's – it's it, until you experience those kind of drafts, you don't know what really really auction fun is, so. Hey, is the third round reversal in a, in a redraft? Let's just say in a redraft or a uh, snake draft. Is it unfair? Is it an unfair advantage for the person who drafted uh, one or twelve? Uh, Dennis, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't. I don't know if it's unfair. I tend to, you know, I look at rules like third round reversal as, you know, it, it's kind of like you know, deciding between half point PPR or full point PPR or auction or, or it's, it's just one of the options to me. And so there's, there's always what, whether if you're doing a snake draft, depend in any given year, there's going to be a sweet spot for what, where you want to be drafting from. And when you do third round reversal, it's the same thing. There's going to be a sweet spot. Uh, I, I like I like the opportunity to be able to, um, 
you know, craft my strategy based on what the settings are. I, I don't get worked up about it. I, and, and to me, I, I guess I'm not militant about whether I think it's fair or unfair. It's just one of the rules of the league you have to live with. And, you know, they're, they're, I could probably go through every league and find one rule that I could pick out, like third round reversal, that makes me go, you know, if I were king, we wouldn't do that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm only king in three leagues. So, yeah, people say that you get the 12, 13, and then the 25. It's unfair because the guy with the one gets the one, the 24, and, the, and then the 36. And it's like, yeah, that's crap. You get three picks in the first, you know, two rounds. That's best BS, you know, blah, blah. You know, I get it, but you have to, you're not getting Mahomes and Josh Allen, like JT said before. You mm-hmm. have to wait till the 12. So you should get some kind of a kickback for not being able to get getting able to get the top talent that you didn't get being in the 12 position. So it, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of a double, double edged sword on, on, that, on that situation. But I love being the 12 anyway. The 12 is my favorite spot in the draft. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll find myself trading a lot. But the best part about being the number 12 is that later in, later in the draft, all the people who fell to you from that last round, you can get two of them. You know, sometimes if you're the number six, you wait, you're like, oh, I got this guy. Missed that I, one. I, yeah, I yeah. want him, I want him. But if you're the 12 and then, and then the, you know, the, the 38, the 30, the 36, 37, and then the 48, 49, uh, all that you get the DJ Moore and Chris Godwin's on the corners and you get every, every, every round you get two picks in a row and you could really get some value at, at some great value at, at the, the end spot. So I'm a 12 guy. That's why I'm in a 12 and yeah. a fish bowl every year too. Yeah, I like that end spot. Uh, I I've never had played in a league with third round reversal until really the last couple of years uh, with Scott Fishbowl and a couple other charity tournaments I played in. Those were the first ones I really have been uh, been in that had the third round reversal. I actually kind of like the idea. Um, I don't know if I like it in a dynasty league format, but I do. I definitely do like it in the in the charity leagues and the one you know redraft leagues. I kind of think it does even the fact out if you, especially if you have a league with high uh, it's either super flex or two QB with a high scoring quarterback rating. Like, yeah, man, not getting those top four or five guys really can hurt you. So I like that third round reversal. We're like, okay, I got a lower end quarterback, but I got a chance to get a higher end running back or a wide receiver, or I can possibly double up with two medium road quarterbacks as opposed to a high end guy. So I actually like, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I'm it's being just being on a 12 for me is, is super important. So that's just what's your favorite score for passing touchdowns four or six. I, I've be, I've come to the terms. I'm just at five right now. And then it's kind of the same thing you were saying before half point PPR, full point PPR, no matter what the same guys are throwing touchdowns, but the guys who throw and don't run, they get a little bit more of an advantage with a six point touchdown because the running quarterbacks get, they get six points for rushing it in. So, but they don't throw as many passing touchdowns. So what's your choice for passing touchdown scores? Dennis, go ahead. I, I, I give it so little thought because <laughs> all passing touchdowns are worth the same. Uh, and, and, and it just, so it, so if you throw for 30 versus 20, you know, you're looking at what 20 extra points. If you're doing six, six-point touchdowns versus four. But everybody's get it, it to me, it, it, it doesn't matter to me because everybody, all quarterbacks have that same advantage. So all it does to me is it, it boosts the total points quarterback score. Um, 
because every year, regardless of whether they're runners or we have to make the choice on where we think these quarterbacks are going to fall with the number of touchdown passes and rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, interceptions, if they're negative points. And, and it, it's just another, you know, I, I didn't jump ahead when we were talking about third round reversal, because honestly, to me, four point or six point passing touchdowns are the same. It's the same kind of thing as third round reversal. It's just one of the rules of the league and you deal with it because that's what it is. You know, because I play in leagues that, uh, you know, carries are worth zero. Some they're worth 0.15 points. Some they're worth 0.25 points. You know, and that gives the, oh, well, because receivers are getting a point per reception and they're catching so many more passes. Yeah, well, I get it. And so you want to bet. I, I, I mean, like, how hard are we going to work to make sure that all players score the same exact amount of points? I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to, but like I say, Patrick Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns in a year. He's got 100 extra points. So, I mean, they add up, even though it sounds like a lot of oh, between the difference between five and seven and nine and 10, but if somebody's throwing that many, that's a hundred points. That, that's, that's a, that all, all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a mouse poop turns into a mountain at, at that point in time, but you're down by a hundred points to somebody to, at the end of the year. So there is, there is differences depending on, on, on who the quarterbacks are, how many they throw, what, you know, what's going on, but. But it's not huge. I understand it's not a huge difference. And I mean, if Patrick Mahomes throws for five thousand yards and Kenny Pickett throws for thirty six hundred, I mean, are we going to make yards worth more points now because one guy's throwing for more yards? Well, if you're in my leagues, everything's worth more points. So that's right. I, I, I like to throw max throw, points, max points, max points, and everything. <laughs> I go in there with everything. <laughs> max points is right. I I don't really care either way. I I just. For me, it just adjusts my strategy slightly. It just might make a difference between one or if I'm between two guys, which guy I'm drafting. Same thing with half PPR versus full PPR. I might have gone a wideout where I maybe go a running back in another spot, but that's just because I'm like, oh, if they're kind of even, if I feel like one of the scoring is helping one of the positions out. But to me, it doesn't totally change the league. Um, I'm in a couple of leagues where we do four just to try to even out the quarterbacks. So they're not quite as high scoring over anyone else. But again, even if they score more, all the quarterbacks are scoring more for the most part. So to me, it's just, it's usually not a huge difference. It's maybe a one, this player or that player difference for me. Yeah, I guess it's not that big of a deal. I'm making it out to be a bigger deal than it is, but you'd be surprised how much these voting Things just turn into fights on on, on on draft day when everybody's trying to make these into a humongous deal. Why couldn't it just be four? It should be everybody. Hey, man, everybody gets the same amount of points. I get it, but I understand there's a, there's a gap. Pick a better quarterback. That's I mean that's yeah. the end. That's that's the end of it. Trade for a better quarterback, or pick a better quarterback, or trade up for a better spot. But, yeah, I'm in a couple of leagues where the quarterbacks, I mean, almost double. Any other position, wide receiver, running back, tight end, they almost double, but then all the quarterbacks are scoring double. You know, so you're looking at you'll go to back to the league scoring, the top 15 or 20 scores are all QB. So it's you know, you just got to find that difference there. Do you want to go the high end, get QB really early in your draft, or do you punt, take a guy a little later, but then load up on the best other players? So it just depends. Like I said, everything's always dependent on league, uh, you know, just the way the settings are, are set up. All right, last, I got a commissioner question from Facebook, a commissioner group. How do you handle a guy who is one of your best friends, great competitor during the season and stuff, but he can never make any of the league's drafts in person? 
He's always got some kind of excuse to miss it. He always plans vacations on the same weekend as the draft, which is always Labor Day weekend, that kind of stuff. You know, what do you do? You got to say, hey, man, listen, we're going to get somebody who's going to be at a live draft. Or how do you, how would you go about that if the JT, if that was somebody in your league and he just every year, he's the one guy that you got to call on the phone all the time and say, hey, man, what's going on? And his phone doesn't work. He's in Michigan on a boat somewhere. Like, how long do you put up with that for? What, what do you do? So I have this situation in a couple of the leagues that I run where I always have one or two guys that are the problem guy. So the only good thing is I want to do live drafts with my home leagues just because I love live drafts. That's part of the fun of it is all getting together. But now I've run it where I'm online, even though we meet together and we do the live drafts, I have a board. I'm doing it online in case somebody can't show up that they can make their picks on the phone, on a computer. Um, If you are like, cannot make that draft, I've just gotten to the point where I set the draft at some point. If you can't make it, you are responsible to either do it on your phone, computer, or Find someone to show up and draft for you. And I've just made that a hard rule for guys. Um, it's, you know, and that's just usually they find somebody because they're like, I don't want anybody. Or I get where people end up just trading a bunch of their picks away because they're like, I'm not going to be there. I'd rather trade for players. But I think at some point, you know, people's lives are getting so crazy. It's getting harder and harder to get people to show up for drafts and commit. So as yeah. a commission, you almost have to just set the date and be like, unless half the league can't make this date. You know, this is the date we're going on, and you either got to get on your phone, you got to do this, or, you know, find someone to come in, draft for you, even if it's for one year, find a co-owner, whatever. But, yeah, you can't hold up the whole league for one guy all the time. It just can't happen. I prefer not to kick people out unless they're just doing egregious stuff. As long as he finds somebody good, if if he can't find anybody who's just like, I'm not going to be there, then I would either find someone to draft for him or be, look for a replacement. I think a lot of us older people who had to draft before cell phones were around and before, you know, you had to be in person or you weren't in the league. If you couldn't make the draft, then they'd find somebody else right from the get go. So I think all of us kind of find it a little bit more important to be at the draft than somebody who's younger and is used to technology and uh, you know, having every easy to fingertips. Dennis, what, what about you? What if you got some guy all the time who just says, F you, I'm not going to be at the draft, you know, give me a call on the phone. So, so what's a friend? No. We're not. We're not getting psychological. Whatever you call <laughs> He's like, how serious? How close of a friend? So, to me, it, it you, you know, if it's somebody you want to have in your league, and and they they have a tendency to not be available, you you know, you make it work. And if if it can't work, then you find somebody else. Uh, I think it's it's more important to maintain the friendship than it is to you know, ruin a friendship over a fantasy football draft. And, you know, you know, and if they're like, look, I want to be in the league, but I can't be there. And if you give it to somebody else, we're not going to be friends. I'd be like, then I don't think we're friends because you wouldn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. We, you've known this. We do it this time every year and you've been making an excuse. So let's put the league aside. We'll maintain the friendship. But you, you, you it's being in the league doesn't seem to be important enough to you. or if you'd like, you can auto pick, you know, we'll auto pick. Mm-hmm. Like I've got this dream. Like, you know, we, we pri- in, in dynasty, we're like, Oh, we want, we're, it's like being a real GM team owner. I'm like, look, let's do an auto draft league. You got 12 managers. You can set your, set your rankings and whatnot, but you do an auto draft league and you take whatever team is auto drafted for you. That's your team. And now you got to make moves to create a team that wins. Now, now let's see, are you a good GM or are you not? 
So that's actually a fun idea. I like that idea of everybody's got to auto draft on pre rankings and then you got to make a bunch of trades and make moves. If you end up uh, in trouble in certain positions, I actually love that. That would be a great, great kind of little experiment. Yeah, exactly. That'd be a great little experiment. I did that experiment. Okay. With my wife and all of her friends that wanted to start a fantasy football league. So we auto drafted this league and my team sucked. And I tried trading with everybody. They're like, we're not trading with you. You know these guys. I'm not – so, like, all my, she had – my wife had, like, DJ Moore. My, my wife's friend had Chris Godwin. You know, somebody – had. you know, everybody I had that – everybody I wanted to trade for, no matter what, they're like, nope, you like him, so he must be good. I'm not trading you. I'm like, come on, man. It's a fun league. But they so trade with each other. I can't, I can't like everybody. I got to trade for somebody. I got everything. Every trade I sent out was denied. And they laughed at me like, yeah, right. Good luck. <laughs> They're trading kickers for DJ Moore and stuff like that behind my back. And I'm like, it's a free league. I don't, whatever. I don't care, but it's just a pain in the ass when you're sitting in the back and the, you know, they, they completely colluded the entire league against me. So, but it is what it is. So let's had it out for you. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that one too. That's a, it's a great idea until you're in a situation where I was and you find out that it's not that great of a situation. So. I had a guy right. auto draft and win a league one year. So he, he completely forgot the draft was going. He didn't show up, auto drafted. He was mad and he ended up winning the league. So it, it can happen. That's happened a couple of times in our leagues too. That's that we drafted, we auto drafted as a joke. And then, you know, he ended up getting Peyton Manning and he ends up after he has neck surgery and he's going to suck. And he came back through 55 stuff, touchdowns. And it's like, shit, you know, that kind of stuff. So it happens. Yeah. All right. We got to, we're already 50 minutes in this and we didn't get to the, the meat of the show yet. So let's, uh, we got to move on. These are quick questions, quick hits, NFL news rumors. There's some injury rumors, injuries uh, questions, some rumors, uh, you know, that kind of stuff going on here. Some rumorville and facts. JT, we're going to go Chicago Bears. How much of a jump has this Bears team really made? Justin Fields has a negative air yards for 129 yards and two touchdowns on three passes. As a Chicago NFC Bears fan, I, I just I'm sick of drinking the Kool-Aid. And I've, that I've been served since 1985. Like, how good is this team going to be this year? Do you think? You're on mute. Sorry, uh, that M- NFC North is, is is wide open, so I think they have some chances to make some moves. I know people are really excited about them, but I feel like they're going to be a team that are more exciting than they are going to win. I feel like this team is a, is a five or six win team, but they're more competitive than they were last year. The bad news bears. When is Roshan Johnson taking over this backfield over over Herbert, Herbert and Foreman? What week? I actually think Roshan is the best guy in this backfield. I I think it's earlier than rather than later. I I can see him starting to take a higher percentage by at least week four. Yeah, there you go. All right, Dennis Bengals injury. Joe Burrow has overcome injuries before, but let's see how this calf strain thing pans out over time. So the rumors, Joe Mixon's court stuff has it's kind of kind of got my stomach in knots because I'm not really sure what's going on here, but. What do you think about the Joe Burrow situation? How I mean, I'm, I know you're probably not a team doctor and like that, but what is uh, what is this leg thing going to hamper him over time throughout the year? Are they going to start off pretty hot, or is this going to be a team that has all the tools but just can't make it work? Well, I think they showed last year with Jamar Chase that they're willing to take the extra week to make sure that the player is ready. And Chase has come out and said, hey, if you don't get back to week four or five, as long as you're right when you get back, that's all that matters. Last preseason game, Burrow was out there jogging side to side without a sleeve. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine. And after he tore up his knee his rookie season, you know, he was a little more prone to run before that. He runs if he has to right now, but he he, he doesn't uh, – he, he isn't out there pretending he's Jalen Hurts. 
he, he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw it. I'm not terribly worried about that. And if he misses a couple games, I'm, I, I'm fine with that as well. We're going to be healthy at the end instead of the yeah, beginning. As yeah. far as Mixon goes, you know, he, he has a history of getting himself in a pickle now and again. Um, it, it's reported that it, it was his gun that was fired on his property, uh, but it wasn't him. You know, he somebody came and got the gun from him. Whether they felt threatened by people on the property or not or what was going on, I don't know. It'll play out. I, I think Cincinnati feels pretty confident in Mixon's status based on what they've done um, in the, the free agent and rookie running back market. Now, if they all of a sudden sign Leonard Fournette, I might uh, change my tune a little bit, but I think Mixon's not going to suffer any suspension or anything. Yeah. yeah. Bills, JT, Bills. James Cook is going to be a dynasty gold this year because he played all the snaps of the first team offense preseason, correct? I am out on James Cook. I Everybody else loves him. I don't. This could end up being my biggest miss because I'd rather have Damian Harris a whole lot later. I just I think Cook's going to get playing time, but he's not a guy I want to be drafting high. I do not think that he's going to put up crazy good stats. I think he could be an okay player, but man, I do not want to, I do not want to be making my whole running back room based around James Cook. Yeah. Dennis Broncos, Javante Williams to play in some fashion in this weekend's game as Sean Payton confirmed. It's a good idea for Javante Williams to play any preseason games this year. Yeah. If he's cleared, you have to have him start to build the confidence in the knee. If the knee, if the doctors are saying, look, you're good to go. That's always the last hurdle that these players have to overcome coming back from knee injuries is having confidence in the knee. Should they play him three quarters? No, but they should get him out there for the first series. Let him take a handoff, get hit, you know, maybe play four, five, six snaps, get him out of there, shake the rust off. I I don't think they're going to play him much. I think they should get him in there a little bit though. If he's cleared. Yeah. They got NFL trainers helping him. I remember like, you know, breaking my ankles and, you know, I, I had like a real bad, like stinger in my neck in a playoff game one time. And then when you have those kind of situations, you got to get back on the field to work out the, the spider webs kind of, you're not really sure how it's going to be when you start running or you start walking or you may have your first head to head contact in a practice. You need those things to get going, but a knee is a, it's a little bit more tricky. If, they, if, if the doctors cleared them and the team cleared them, it is what it is. I mean, just, you know, yeah, there you go. Have at it. So, uh, um, let's see what we had here. Uh, JT Browns team MVP, Nick Chubb or Deshaun Watson this year. I'm Nick Chubb all the way. I am out on Watson. Maybe he figures it out this year after, you know, kind of being rough last year, but I'm out on the Browns. I like Nick Chubb. He's about the only guy I like on that team. Dennis Buccaneers injury, injury news, running back Rashad White told everybody to relax. He'll be fine. So that is what it is. But will Baker Mayfield screw Mike Evans out of his thousand yard season streak this year? My gut tells me yes, but my heart tells me no. Um, yeah. I, I just I, – I, I feel like – and the reason being is that um, that's an old-school head coach. They know what's on the line. We, we've seen it a couple other times uh, with Arians that, uh, um, you know, they just squeaked Evans over the line in the last game. And so I feel like – with Arians in the front office and in Todd Bowles' ear, um, whether it's Trask, whether it's Baker, or or the uh, the ghost of Carson Wentz, they're going to get him over that thousand yard mark for the tenth straight year. 
Yeah, like Tom Brady did in the last game of the season when everybody sat the guy on the bench in the playoffs and he scored 9,000 touchdowns and 400 yards. That's that's what's going to happen. Cardinals, JT, will Zach Ertz be with, with Zach Ertz back at full practice? Why aren't you buying Trey McBride right now? If it means I get Trey McBride cheaper, I'm all over Trey McBride right now. I've been trying to get him all offseason. Um, I still think he's a good buy. I still like Zach Ertz, but, man, he he's had quite a few injuries getting older into his career. If you have somebody that's out on McBride because he doesn't get a lot of snaps early season, that's how I think you buy him. First couple weeks, if he doesn't play a lot, jump in there and get McBride. Yeah, the handful of people who like McBride like McBride, and are just it's hard to pry McBride away from yep. people like that. So it is what it is. Chargers, Dennis, are you buying Darius Davis as a possible backup wide receiver over Joshua Palmer in case of injuries? I mean, is Palmer one of the injuries? I mean, he's he's no higher right now than wide receiver five. And well, that that you know, he's another one of these 2023 diminutive wide receivers, a la Tank Dell and Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. We got all these little guys, and he he's the one who spent five years in college, only caught 112 passes. He's five foot eight, 165 pounds. It, it nothing screams core special team or kick returner to me. Can he can he make a breakout? Sure. Um, is it going to take a couple injuries? Yes. Honestly, I think it's going to take uh, at least two injuries for him to be fantasy relevant. And if he is. To me, it's just the second coming of Kiki Kuti. Hey, we ain't got anybody else. Let's get this guy out here and give him 10 targets. And then next week he's gone when the next guy's back. Or they bring Jalen Guyton in or some other, you know, who knows, they'll bring uh, somebody in. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm not buying it. This whole draft was like the grew, grew standing next to the minions. You know, like everybody in this whole draft was like five foot six, 140 pounds. It just seemed like it. This is the smallest draft I can remember watching or seeing in a long time, or, or you know, just just seems like the guys are getting more shifty. You used to have the big, big stud, the Chris Chambers and the guys you know, like that. Now it's all just running freaks, you know. So I don't know. It is what it is. Just sign at times. Chiefs, JT injury news. Justin Law, Justin Ross left practice with a leg injury, but we got we got to monitor that. He said he's okay. Uh, but my question is: Is she Rice going to be a small school? Couple years to learn Sky Moore Part Two, or the Chiefs has something here. I actually, I wasn't big on Rice early on, and I'm starting to jump in on Rice a little bit more. I just, I'm not liking what anybody else is doing there. I just think he's gonna get a shot. I liked him in at SMU, so he, he's a guy I'm buying. I'm not buying super high, but if I'm getting him in like the late second, early third round, which I've gotten in a few leagues, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a shot on him because somebody's gonna. Somebody has to do something there for, for the Chiefs. Is it going to be super fantasy relevant? Who knows? But I'm actually getting more in on Rice now as I don't love Sky Moore. And, you know, MVS is MVS. And Justin Ross just can't stay healthy. So I, I like Rice. Yeah, and they need a special teams guy to really uh, kind of uh, be a solid part of a contributor anyway. Sky Moore, last year when he fumbled all the snaps in the beginning of the season, and then they got in the playoffs and they put him back in a punt, I'm like, what are you doing? He dropped five. He dropped five punt returns already. Like, what are you doing putting it back there? But he said he practiced the whole season long, so he's ready for that moment. I'm just glad he didn't fumble in the playoffs. So, <clears throat> Dennis Colts, the news: Jonathan Taylor is at least in the building with the team, but still on the pup. That's kind of a good thing for sure. Anthony Richardson is confirmed the starter. 
Tell me why I should be buying Alec Pierce right now. Well, Anthony Richardson's skill set matches up ever so slightly better with what Alec Pierce does, which yes. is run far and fast. Mm-hmm. You know, Pittman yep. can get down the field. He's a, he's more of an intermediate threat, though. It, it's all going to come down to can Richardson avoid the rush and can can the offensive line take a step this year? You know, Bernard Raymond uh, didn't play great last year. He's got to grow into it. Um, oh, the who's the who's the guard that's such a stud? Had Nelson. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of a down year last year. You know, so they've got some guys that have to kind of pull it together. Another year of experience is going to help. You know, Richardson only started 12 games in college, and that usually doesn't bode great for a productive NFL career. But we haven't seen guys come in with his skill set, his size, his speed, his arm. So if he can process, if he can stay upright and avoid the rush and not, you know, he isn't as refined as a passer as Justin Fields was. And the Bears literally only let Fields throw 30 times in his first three starts. So it wouldn't surprise me with Steichen coming over, the way that they kind of eased Jalen Hurts in and seeing what Chicago did with Fields. I'm not going to rely on Richardson's arm, but I think by the end of the season, he's going to have grown into the position. And as much as we might want to say, let let him get some seasoning on the bench. You know, there's nothing like live fire. Yes, 100%. You got to do what you got to do. Take your take your take your lumps. Cowboys JT news. Zach Martin got his raise and it's back to being one of the best guards in all of football with a great attitude. But question Deuce Vaughn was he was turning heads at camp. Are you buying into the, the Deuce Vaughn dynasty value? What was he standing I- on people's shoulder and putting them in the <laughs> I mean, he he had some great jukes and looked good in that preseason game. I'm I'm still not sold on him being able to make a huge impact in the NFL. I mean, obviously, everyone makes the Darren Sproles comparisons. Um, I think he's going to be a gadget guy. I think he's going to make some highlight plays. He's going to get you some stuff here and there. But I just cannot see him being a consistent fantasy contributor by any means. I mean, if you throw him on the bench as a late pick in a best ball league, and hope he busts off a big play, maybe. But that's all I can see out of him. I can't even see that, to be honest with you. I, I don't, it's, I yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I just see him being a gadget guy that gets a couple, like, you know, first downs for the team or, you know, is able to get shifty around the corner and maybe get uh, maybe 10, 15-yard breakaways. But I, I don't see him uh, being a contributor at all. I hope I'm not wrong on that. I mean, I hope I am wrong on that one, but it is what it is. Dennis, the Dolphins. Will this be a committee backfield, but – who crosses the finish line is the guy you want on your fantasy roster by the fantasy playoffs. Mostert, A-Chain, or the correct answer, Jeff Wilson. Who, but who, I'll let you answer the question. It's been Jeff Wilson for me all offseason. Yeah. He was, you know, he, when he wasn't injured last season, he was the guy getting the ball. He's very effective in this offense. The passing game is a very narrow funnel. It goes to two guys. They literally took one of the most athletic tight ends in the game and said, hey, we don't need you. And they brought in a bunch of block and tight ends. Uh, they're going to run the ball. They're going to throw it to, to Hill and Waddle. Uh, and I'm, I, I just don't see A-Chain getting en- enough work to be consistent. He's going to have to be super efficient. You're looking at four or five targets and four or five carries, which could potentially end up being six to eight touches a game. And so you're going to need him to be 
just scoring almost every game to be relevant. I, he's he's not Warwick Dunn. I get it. He's Warwick Dunn size, but he's not Warwick Dunn. Stop it with the Devin A chain love. It's Jeff Wilson, and and while I get it, Wilson's kind of a jag. He fits that offense and what that offense does. And maybe you can say A chain fits it too. A chain is just too damn small for me. I mean, the only the only reason I would draft A chain is if the other guy I had to choose from was Deuce fucking Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think they saw the speed and the the, uh, the all the analytics that are concerned with his uh, you know scores, and that, that's what they fell in love with. They could turn him into you know they can. You can't teach speed. You can't teach shiftiness. You can't teach all that kind of stuff. But you know, at the same time, you, someone's got to be able to put. You, you can put all that stuff on paper, but it doesn't look good on the field sometimes when they, when somebody's just you know too small. But uh, JT Eagles, Kenny Gainwell will lead this RB running back by committee, but. Might not be fantasy relevant. Are Penny or Swift possibly getting cut? Just getting new peeps, or are they just getting these new peeps familiar with the offense, uh, putting them on the field during the preseason? I, I don't. Penny's able to get cut for cheap, and Swift is able to cut because they can't keep next year, or else they have to surrender a draft pick. So it's almost like they just wanted camp bodies or something with these guys. I, I, I this one's a tough one for me. I don't have hardly any Kenny Gainwell. I know you love him. Uh, everybody's talking him up as the RB1 now for the Eagles. I have a ton of Penny, and I have a decent amount of Swift. Uh, a lot of my pennies all because I got him really late in drafts or made trades uh, for him. I still like Penny. I still think he could be a bruiser if he could. You know, again, healthy is always going to be a problem with him. But I think he could give you some big games. I think Kenny Gainwell is going to be in the mix. But I have a feeling this is going to be a frustrating backfield for people all year. Uh, kind of a la the 49ers the last couple of years where you just guys have big games here and there. They get dinged up. Somebody else comes in. He has a big game. And it's going to be tough to trust, I think, these guys on a weekly basis. So uh, Kenny Gainwell, RB1 is what you said. Okay, cool. I, I think Kenny Gainwell can be RB1 and still be there. I, my, my worry is that all these guys are going to get used in different ways on different weeks, and you're going to see all these guys pop. It just, you're, it's going to be tough to figure out when. Right. Uh, another uh, preseason question for you, Dennis, here for the Falcons. Rumors, B. John Robinson will be on the field in week two. Uh, you, you just drafted a running back no, like pretty damn high. Is I know you. we already talked about you know, getting guys game speed and getting tackled and getting this, but, are you, but the Falcons don't really have much to work with besides a tight end and a wide receiver. Do you really put this the, the, the cornerstone of your franchise out in preseason? I think you got to give him a little bit of run in their rookie year. Um, he's not a guy that has been prone to injury, that has missed a lot of time. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get out there and get something live going. So, you know, you give him a few snaps, you you appease him a little bit. I mean, you just don't know when somebody's going to get hurt. So many injuries are non-contact injuries. I mean, you can't play scared. Get your guy some reps. Get him out there with the first team. Let's see what he can do. You know, don't get stupid with it and play him. You know, six or seven series. But I, you know, I don't hate the idea. Yeah, I get it. It is what it is. I, I, I mean, back in the day, they used to play these guys all the way until the third preseason game. So, I, uh, you know, that was a long time ago. But nowadays, it just seems like it's more of a business than a than a like a football game. So, um, JT. Rumorville, 
Started right here in the commissioner evaluation show. The 49ers know Brock Purdy is not ready. They tried to showcase Trey Lance for a possible trade, and only Sam Darnold played for only a few snaps because they know that he is a starter, and they're doing a terrible job hiding it from us. Is this true? I, you know, I love Sam Darnold in this thing. I just, I just, it's, it's amazing to me that he is just totally getting pushed aside. I know he's had turnover turnover problems, but I mean, guy is a, a top pick going against the last pick in the draft. I know Lance is up there too. If I think if Darnold gets a shot, if he ends up getting a shot, ends up starting at the beginning of the year, and they win, you know, start four zero, five and zero. I just don't think they're gonna, you know, get rid of him. He had a he had a decent start. I think they actually played Lance more because I think they are actually more comfortable with Darnold. So I think that's why Lance started and played more in the first half. They wanted to see what he looked like. The best players. I thought Darnold looked solid with the with the backups. And if it wasn't for turnovers that weren't his fault, right. uh, he would have put this, he would have put together uh, some nice drives there. Uh, with that second unit in the third quarter. Oh, the offensive line not getting any push and him getting stopped on fourth down, and then that guy catching it and fumbling uh, as soon as he touched it. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. like I said, a couple turnovers that weren't his fault. I thought he looked fairly solid when he was out there. And then, obviously, the stat line looks really good for Lance because he had that awful pass in the end zone that should have yeah. been a clear-cut pick, and it bounced off the guy right into his tight end, you know, five yards or ten yards away, went right into his chest for a touchdown. So, Definitely made his stats look better because if you get rid of that touchdown and you add the pick, his stats were uh, much, much worse. I think I just I looked him up. He would have been uh, 9 for 15 for under 100 yards with a pick and four yeah. sacks. Now, Vegas was all over him. I don't know what that means. I, I, I didn't really look up who started on the old line for the Niners, but, man, Vegas was all over Trey Lance. He could not get rid of the ball. They were all on top of him. For a guy that's supposed to be a running quarterback, he could not seem to get away from him. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, Dennis, Giants. Jalen Hyatt, is is he anything more than just a one-trick pony? I don't think so for 2023. Uh, he brings that element that, it's kind of lacking and because that's what Darius Slayton has brought. Slayton's fought four or five years into his career now. You know, maybe he's not quite as fast as, as he used to be. But I, I just don't – Hyatt has to learn how to be an NFL wide receiver. He, he's in an opportunity where if he does, he can ascend to the top of the heap pretty quickly. We'll, we'll see if he, he puts in the work and does that. I like Paris Campbell. I like Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, I like Darius Slayton, but the truth is none of them have really established themselves as being the guy in New York or anywhere else they've been. So Hyatt's just got to put in the work and it would, he, he could, you know, if he breaks out next year, we should look at it as like, well, that's the way it's always been second and third year for rookie mm -hmm. wide receivers. We get spoiled with Jefferson and Chase and Beckham and, these guys that have been coming in the last decade, you know, once every other year or a couple of years, you know, but, but the truth is that we just need to be patient with some of these wide receivers, let them get into the NFL and then take that step their second or third year. Yeah. Uh, just quick business. sidebar. Let me throw a quick sidebar. If you had to take one giant season uh, wide receiver just for this season, who's the guy you're taking? Who are you taking a flyer on? Paris Campbell. Darren Waller. Love it. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> Paris Campbell's my guy. I love it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have eight jerseys in my background. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm a Colts fan too, uh, season ticket holder. So I like Paris. I think he was just coming on last year uh, when everything kind of happened. 200 pounds. He's got good size. He's fast. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league long. He's just had, he's had some tough breaks with injuries. Mm-hmm. I, he put it, he put together a healthy season last year uh, with a, uh, with some pretty terrible quarterback play. If Jones can play decent at all this year, Campbell has a chance to have, have a really nice year. I 100% agree with that. Isaiah Hodgins. I'll just be different. <laughs> just to be different. <laughs> uh, I mean, everything's going through Waller. Any, everything's going through Dan Waller anyway in, in that whole offense. So those guys are just going to get crumbs. Um, J- JT, Jaguars. How big of a take Bigsby Thorne are we going to see in the side of Travis Etienne this season? I don't have a lot of ETN. I've been taking Tank uh, where I can get him because I just I think he's an injury away. I and I also think you know they played way too much Jermichael Hasty last year for my liking. So I, I just think Tank is going to get some some love. I think he's going to be a flex option, and I think he's a guy that you know if something happens to Etienne, he I think he comes in there and can ball out. So I like Tank. And if you if I got Etienne, if I had Etienne, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous about him cutting uh cutting into the workload. Yeah. Dennis, Jets, injury news. Aaron Rodgers calf is a situation to monitor right now. Uh older guys tend to heal a little bit slower, and that's okay, but <clears throat> just something to watch. And then uh, team news, Brees Hall, who came back to practice today, went from hero to zero over the course of the season as a result of injury and a new one year, eight point six million dollar teammate named Dalvin Cook. Screwing us all in fantasy. How did, how's the split going to look this year and in, in, in for redraft anyway? I think Rodgers is going to be fine. He's a veteran. He's going to manage his calf just fine. If, if he didn't tear his calf or he didn't tear his Achilles, um, he, he'll be okay. It's, it's not, he, he's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Josh Allen. He isn't out there running. You know, he'll scramble away from pressure. But I don't think anybody throws the ball away at a higher rate than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I think that Dalvin Cook is going to start the season as the lead back while Brees Hall works his way back into shape. You know, we saw it last year with J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins came back and wasn't quite right, went back for a cleanup. And when he came back at the end of the season, his vision, all the things that that make him like a great back, the vision, the ability to cut were there. He just didn't have any long speed. Paul's got to get back out there. He's got to get confidence in the knee. He's got to show that he can do it. And, and I think as the season, I, to me, it feels like Cook is going to be the, the 55 guy for the first six games or so. And then Hall is going to start to take over and be the guy getting the 55% of the touches. Uh, as they go into the end of the season and Hall shows that he's healthy. It's going to, it basically took one guy from being potentially a top 10 running back for fantasy to two guys being top 30, top 24 running backs. Yeah. I just, it's a terrible place for, for, to own a running back anywhere in that offense. So terrible. Uh, Lions, JT rumors. How much do you, how much do the drops scare you as Jameson Williams, uh, James Williams owner. I don't know if I'm so worried about the drops I've been seeing. It's just, you know, everything with his mental state with the suspension has got me worried. You know, is he a guy that can get this move past it? And 
ready to come in and play and focus, or is he going to guy? He's going to be thinking about it. He, you know, is he? You know, some of these guys aren't good when they're idle on the sideline; they can't participate in all the team stuff. I think that's some that has me more worried than the drops do. Um, I don't have a lot of Jameis, but if if I was big on him, I'm a, I'm slightly worried right now that he's not going to pan out. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean. Matt Kelly or Ronald Underwood is calling him a bust and is streaming to unload him as soon as possible. I mean, I don't know if we should be holding and wishing or praying or should we sell him right now? I, I mean, I mean the, he, the drops, he the said, yeah, he said he was a full sell. I mean, he was like completely out on him. He's like, this guy's going to be out of the league in a couple of years. He's going to fall apart. I'm not in that panic mode yet, but I, I definitely am a little nervous. If I, I like this is like Jamar Chase type, like in the fantasy world, I, I, what'd you, what'd you say? And Matt Kelly's the Colin Coward of the fantasy world. <laughs> I feel like this is uh like Jamar Chase couldn't see the ball kind of stuff last year, you know, that kind of stuff. And he's gonna and I'm afraid to get rid of James Williams because I know his potential is so much. So um Dennis, the Packers, are you trusting Christian Watson long term or are you just going with Dobbs, Reed, Musgrave, or Aaron Jones as is another, another option in, in fantasy? A cheap options anyway. I think Watson is the one, the option that has the potential to be like the true wide receiver one. I like Romeo Dobbs. I like Jaden Reed. I mean, it's a weird situation. You've got a third year, fourth year quarterback who's been riding the bench that has first round draft capital and a receiving core of wide receivers and tight ends that are all first and second year guys. It, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I like Watson a lot and I don't have any hesitation with him. I think I typically am, am getting more Romeo Dubs, though, just based on cost. Dubs might be the leading receiver on the team this year. So, yeah, I don't, that's obviously a good pickup as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, I could see Dobbs with the most receptions, Watson with the most yards and touchdowns. Possibly. Probably touchdowns just because of his long speed, but we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, JT Panthers, Terrace Marshall had a back injury to be got to monitor that. He was supposed to be the kind of the, uh, the, the popular guy to pick up anyway, this off season. I'm putting all my chips in on Jonathan Mingo. Do you have a guy on this team or is it just all a mess? Earlier in the year, I was taking Marshall just cause I could get him really late at a really solid price. So I was just, he was kind of my dart throw was Marshall. Now that he is hurt. And if I haven't drafted yet, I'm, I don't know if I want any of these guys. Honestly, I I'm nervous about any of them really putting up enough uh, fancy points to be relevant to be playable. Uh, most time, if I'm taking a guy, I'm taking Mingo because at least he's young and you you can you don't expect if he doesn't blow up this year, you know you still got a couple years on him. Um, but I'm just not sure they can get Thielen the ball a bunch. Um, if I'm an older team, maybe I go with Thielen. I like Marshall, but his injuries got me worried, and I. I'm just a little worried. I don't – Brees Hall I think is good, but I'm a little worried about this passing game. Yeah, I get it. Dennis, uh, Patriots, first some injury news. Mike Gusecki has separated shoulder, but is looking to be back for week one. The question is, how much damage does Zeke do to Ramadre Stevenson's fantasy value now that they're, now they're, now that they're teammates? I, I think it drops Ramondre from, you know, RB7, 8 range down to – you know, RB 11, 12, 13. Uh, I don't think Zeke has a ton left in the tank when it comes to being able to break off big plays. It's not explosive. 
he is powerful. And so there's a chance he gets, you know, a Jamal Williams type of touchdown vulture season going. But if, if Zeke had 10 touchdowns and 600 yards rushing, I would consider that a gargantuan success for Zeke this year. Um, but I think we, we saw Ramondre last year catch, what, 70 passes or 49 passes on 70 targets. Uh, it, I think Ramondre will be fine. He wore down. They know he wore down. They're trying to put him in position to be successful all season long. And they don't. They clearly don't believe in Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong to be uh, the guys that can do that for him. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of worried that Stevenson's price may have been overinflated to begin with, and now with this situation, it, it may, we're going to see a, a lot of rubber band effect here with his value. Possibly, um, I'm, that's my biggest fear as a as a Stevenson owner. So, um, sh- where are we at here? Um, did I do? Oh, the Raiders. We're on Raiders. Yep. Yeah, JT news. But maybe not news, or maybe not important news. Raiders signed Darwin Thompson. No big deal, nothing big deal. Not like Josh Jacobs needs preseason reps, but uh, him not being at preseason team practices and workouts just feels like it's a hamstring or some kind of soft tissue issue in, in the waiting. Are you oh, are you overspending against Zeus White or just not panicking at all, waiting for Josh Jacobs to come back? I would. I tell you what, in redraft leagues, I was avoiding Josh Jacobs just for the holdout news, some other things. He has me a little worried on that. Uh, Zamir White, you know, if you have somebody in your league that's got Jacobs and you got White, he might be a decent offer to throw him out as a handcuff if somebody get, is getting nervous as well. Um, I like White. I just, I don't really see any of the other guys on the roster filling in if Jacobs went down. Sincere, uh, McCormick came back the other day. Uh, Played a decent amount in the preseason game. He was a rookie last year and missed most of the season. They got Abdullah, who's obviously a small guy. He's just not going to be that fill in there. So, I mean, I think White's a decent handcuff. Uh, I like him. And, I mean, I'll hold him. Or, I'll, I mean, if I got a Jacob's owner is willing to buy, I, I'm looking to sell him. Uh, unfortunately, all the people who have him, one, he's another guy that, I, I traded Zamir White away to get Josh Jacobs before the season started last year, which which ended up being great. But now the guys with Zamir White are not giving him up because they know he's a handcuff, and he could be a very valuable handcuff if Josh Jacobs does sit, even for a couple games. A couple games like that at the beginning of the season is enough to get you in the playoffs, and that's all it takes in Dynasty is getting the playoffs to win the ship. So it's just one of those things where it's just hard to get him back or it's hard to get him right now until – the same thing with Jeff Wilson and guys like that. Nobody's giving him up right now because there's – the potential's too big. They may not be the best players in the league, but the potential's just way too big. So, yeah, Dennis, gotta find Ray- somebody that wants to overpay. Gotta find somebody to overpay on that. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Dennis, the Rams rumors. Uh, um, more commissioner valuation rumors. Stetson Bennett and Puka Nakua are the future face of the franchise for a long time here in in, in LA. True or false? Stetson Bennett ain't the future face of any franchise at his age. <laughs> now, I, I like Bennett. He's got a ton of moxie. Um, to me, he feels like a guy that, that is already a bridge quarterback. Um, you know, if, if Stafford goes down, I feel like Bennett's going to come in and be at least as good as Baker Mayfield, maybe a little bit better. Uh, is he a long-term solution? You know, I, I don't think he's Drew Brees. He's somewhere, he's somewhere, you know, on the Baker Mayfield end of the Baker Mayfield 
Drew Brees spectrum of short quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. Puka, you know, Puka has a little bit of work to do in the change of direction stuff, but he's got good size. He's got good speed. He can get down the field. Uh, I, I like Puka a, as an option. I think the wide receiver two in LA right now is Van Jefferson, and he's just about free and mostly because everybody's overlooking him. Yeah. JT Ravens news. God bless the Alex Collins family. 28 year old died in a motorcycle accident. Remember him for his Irish dancing, his smiling face and his uh, being a great teammate from what everybody says about him. So, you know, just good. Sorry to hear about it, Alex Collins. It's terrible, tragic news. Other news, J.K. Dobbins is supposedly 100% healthy, according to John Harbaugh. He must have taken his uh, contract-itis pills this week to get back on the field. So, um, But Lamar Jackson might be on track to throw for over 4,000 yards for the first time in his career and also bring 35-plus touchdowns to the table this season because of his the pace of this offense and the better receiving options. Right. And it's pure numbers of attempts. Is this, is this going to happen or, or no? I think it's a little overblown right now. I, I actually I have Lamar in a lot of spots. He, I still don't think he has to get to 4,000 if he can stay healthy. I mean, if he can do 3,500 and 1,000 yards rushing and put up decent touchdowns, uh, both passing and rushing, I think he's definitely still going to be worth his value. So I like him. I'm not sold. I mean, if he goes for 4,000 and 1,000, man, he's he's going to blow up the fantasy world, but uh, I'm not totally sold yet. I don't love their wide receivers. Uh, if Andrew stays healthy and Zay Flowers can bust out, I think they got a shot. I'm over OBJ Bateman, who I liked in college a lot. I'm just not sold on anymore, but we'll see. I, I think Lamar, I think Lamar is going to be Lamar. I think he's going to be good no matter what for fantasy. It just comes out to can he make the whole season? Because if you've had him, you know, he bared you the final five games of the year the last two years when he didn't play you were in trouble so but i i'm not selling the absolute he's number one he's gonna blow up but i still think he's gonna be good top five top six guy lamar yeah no i hear that i mean he's got a lot of uh got a lot of juice he's talked to he's been talking obj up also so that's uh one of those things where the obj situation may maybe uh, not that i'm not a big fan of obj at all but uh, you know, he is talented receiver. We'll see what happens. Dennis Saints, injury. Kendra Miller has a sprained knee but looks to be ready for week one, says Tom Pelissero. How much faith do you have in Michael Thomas this year to be back on field? I mean, he said he made a pretty decent catch in the preseason uh, in, in camp anyway. Like, what is what do you think is going to happen with Michael Thomas? Are we going to see possibly half of what he was last time he played a full season? Who knows? I mean, I love Michael Thomas, and I just don't know. You know, feet are funny when you start having injuries like Liz Frank injuries and getting screws and, and plates and all kind of stuff put in your feet. It, it doesn't take much. And, you know, he's not a little guy. He's six foot three, 210, um, while not overly fast. If he stays healthy, he's going to be productive. He's not going to be as productive as he was a few years ago. Uh, and part of that reason is Chris Olave and Juwan Johnson, but he could be a good possession receiver. He's got good, he's got the size. He could be a nice big slot receiver. Um, but I'm almost to the point where if you want to trade me, Michael Thomas, he, you're doing it as a throw in. Yeah. Right. Right. So JT Seahawks injury. Ken Walker is doing individual drills. No timeline known for his return yet. As far as we know, 
Are you taking G? Are you taking Gino as your late sneaky quarterback one, or, or are you hoping he's your quarterback two? For me, I'm only taking Gino as my quarterback two. I'm I'm just I think there's going to be some regression there. Even though I like his weapons, um, I just he kind of fell off near the end of last year. I mean, he put together a magical season for a guy who had you know never been really a full time starter. Uh, but if I can get Geno cheap as my QB two in a super flex or two QB league, I love it. I love it. I do not want to go in the season counting on Geno to be my number one. That's just me personally. Yeah, I. I don't think the balloon's going to pop or like that, but I just I don't want him as my quarterback one either. I'm, I'm hoping for him as my, my – him and Goff as my, like, quarterback twos, you know, definitely in that situation. Uh, Dennis Steelers, news. Good on Brother Rice uh, Brother Rice Crusaders, Xavier Valley. He was signed to the black and gold after the garbage Texans decided he was not good enough for him. What do you think about Xavier Valley? Uh, I – I like his potential. You know, he's he's a got good size, six foot, two fourteen, good pass catcher, decent runner. He's a little bit of an upright player. Uh, I don't think he's there's there's not too much in front of him in Pittsburgh to get stop him from getting up to the uh, RB four position. You know, McFarland is kind of a special teamer, kick returner guy. I think uh, he he hasn't made any headway over Jalen Warren, so. I feel like they're going to ride Najee and, you know, till they can't ride him no more. And then they're going to bring in another back. Valaday has the size. I think that if something was to happen to Najee, he might be able to push for a timeshare with Warren over McFarland. Um, but uh, where we're at now, you know, he's, he's not going to be fantasy relevant without an injury. Yeah. It'll be 50, 50. Well, Probably mostly Najee Harris and then a lot of Jalen Warren sprinkled in. So he'll get some cleanup duty when when the game's out of reach, and that's about as far as that'll go. So I don't see him uh, – but I don't see him really having a problem, like, uh, you know, getting past who's on there, who, who else like McFarlane and, like – Yeah, Darius he could push – I think he – Greg Bell. Yeah, I think he could He could definitely push McFarlane, I think. I think he's, he's right there with him. He's probably the fourth running back, maybe pushing for the third. I mean, McFarlane, they – had him for a while. They've cut him a couple times. They moved him back to practice squad. They've re-signed him a couple times. So, I mean, he's right in the mix. If he's a young guy, he shows something. Um, I'm excited yeah. to see what he can do for the Steelers. I think he if can be a good one for play Ohio State every week, he'd be an all-pro. Yeah. I know. He's going to live on that game for the rest of his life. I mean, man, he looked <laughs> electric in that game when he played Ohio State. It's it's crazy. He'll always be remembered for that game. It's my son's high school teammate, so anytime there's Xavier Valerie news, I have to ask about it. Oh, JT Texans rumors. Tank that will be a top of this depth chart by midseason. I don't know about top of the depth chart, but I don't know if there is a top of the depth chart guy. Right. Again, this is another one. I, I'm just really iffy on this group. I think he could actually get a pretty good fancy season because I could see a lot of drop offs. Man, the Texans O line looked absolutely horrid in yeah. the opener. I mean, CJ Stroud is going to have to really quickly figure out what the hot routes. And I, I could see a lot of Dalton Schultz and a lot of Tank Dell on quick routes if C.J. Stroud is going to get rushed as quickly as he was in that first preseason, uh, preseason game against the uh, pa- uh, Patriots, yes. Yeah. They were Dennis, all over him. Dennis, Titans. Malik Wells is ahead of Will Levis on the, as Ryan Tannehill's backup as of right now. Question is, will Traylon Burks be as much of a as, as much better player as Titans wide receiver two than he was as a perceived wide receiver one last year? Well, I think having someone like DeAndre Hopkins take the pressure off you is always 
good. Again, it's another one of these situations where you had a first round wide receiver and everybody wanted to put this expectation that they were going to be, you know, not just their team's wide receiver one, but, you know, a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Give the guy some opportunity to adjust to the NFL. He's had a season. I think he's going to be better this year than he was last year. And if Hopkins is gone in 2024, uh, I'm very comfortable with Burks as a player. I I, I like Traylon Burks. Uh, I am, though, admittedly, team big wide receiver. Yes, also a team big team big wide receiver. So I took I took Burks, not anticipating such a big blow to his value, but I, I think he'll do okay. I, I think if they they don't. The problem is that that you know the the, the, the offense flows with Derrick Henry as we know it right now. So unless they trade Derrick Henry in the middle of the season before the trade deadline, I don't you know I don't we're not really sure we're going to get see the full potential of the wide receivers on this offense. So uh, where are we at now? Uh, t- JT Vikings, Kareem Hunt's name was supposedly in the head of uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell's mouth, according to ESPN's uh, Kevin Seifert. So, but the rumor, Ty Chandler seems to be the number two behind Mr. President Alexander Madison. Is that who the is that who we're all uh, targeting as the backup for Alexander Madison right now, Ty Chandler? Or what do you think? I originally was on McBride, but after I watched their preseason game, Ty Chandler kind of impressed me. I thought he was going to be more of just a special teams guy, uh, but he actually looked pretty good. Had some bursts, put his head down, ran through some guys. Um, it seems like they're going to give him a chance. This team seems like a team that would sign a veteran to help out with Madison. But again, you look at it and you're like, if you weren't going to sign Dalvin Cook to a one-year $8.6 million deal, why would you turn around and sign a Hunt or or – you know, a Leonard Fournette for like one year, five million or six million. Why wouldn't you have just kept Dalvin Cook? So that's got me confused on there. But I am definitely, definitely shifting to Ty Chandler. He was not a guy on my radar, but uh, they obviously liked him. They played him a ton the other night, um, and he's kind of jumped ahead of McBride uh, for the backup role for me. Yes, because I bought up all the Dwayne McBride, so Ty Chandler passed him up. That's kind of what happens in my fantasy football teams. I I, uh, I had that, <laughs> that death touch to everybody. Never fails. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, Dennis, Washington football team. Is there really a huge value difference between Brian Robinson and my man crush, Antonio Gibson? You know, there it's just two different styles of play. You know, one is a between-the-tackles grinder that's not super athletic. The other one is super athletic that doesn't necessarily have excellent Vision. football instincts. Excellent football instincts. Uh, the thing that concerns me about Brian Robinson is that they also seem to love this plotter, Chris Rodriguez, they brought in. And and so are they going to start sharing that early down work between the two of them? I, to me, if I'm going to roster either one of them, I'm probably going to roster Gibson just because the value of a target is, what, 2.7 fantasy points or 2.7 times the value of a running back touch according to the analytics nerds. So I feel like you can get Gibson cheaper, you know, but there are times when you're looking at it and Robinson is there and you're drafting and it's like, well, he's, he's the starter and he's going to get opportunity. So I probably, I, I like, I like Gibson more, but you know, we got Sam Howell, who was my guy, but Ron Rivera, is there 
he, Rivera is not on the hot seat. Rivera is just a placeholder until the new management, new ownership brings in their guys. And, yeah. and the whole situation is weird. I It wouldn't surprise me if they won 10 games, and it wouldn't surprise me if they won two games. Um, yeah. I think the only way Rivera keeps his job is make – make it to the a- NFC finals. Yeah. I think we had this conversation the other day about no matter what, no matter how good Rivera does, you know, this is pretty much it for him. They're kind of sick of his mentality, the way he runs the team, the, all that kind of stuff. It's he just, he's too old school for the NFL. It seems like right now he's got, he causes too many problems in the locker room. He doesn't like, he makes a lot of stupid comments and puts people, puts the, puts players in bad situations. And so I'm not a Rivera fan at all. I, you know, Pete Carroll's about the only guy I hate more than him. So that's, that's, uh, and that doesn't, I can't stand Pete, Pete Carroll. So he's a lot further down the, the job chart of hating people than Ron Rivera. But, but anyway, that's my own tangent. All right. That's all the NFL news and rumors and injury kind of reports, stuff like that. So let's jump in real fast. We got two segments left. We'll be done in 10 minutes. These are, let's go to some Mighty McGlynn home league recent trades. These are 12 team, 30 man deep rosters, no kicker, no defense. It's PPR, tight end premium. It's super flex, five touchdown, two interception uh, for touchdown interception, five and two for touchdown interception. There's a you know little bonus for 100 yard and 200 yards receptions, and you know 304 yards passing. But you know that that kind of stuff, it's all pretty pretty standard standard scoring. So we got Zeke Elliott for a mid 24 third. This was made before the trade or before the signing happened. So post signing, is this still a good deal for the third round pick guy? I think so. I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, Zeke could be a nothing. He could be RB 36 if he gets enough goal line work. So I think if you're selling Zeke, you're probably just trying to accumulate draft capital. Yeah. JT thoughts. Same thing. Yep. I'm in, I'm in on the pick. I'd take the pick. I'll take the pick. Number two, this is my trade the other day. I got uh, Kyle Pitts and Dwayne McBride. I traded away Dalton Dalton Kincaid and two mid 24 seconds. Thoughts on that one, JT? Uh, I jumped on this one. I told you I liked it. I I, I like the move, man. If you want to go get Pitts, uh, Kincaid, you know, everybody's talking him up. I like him. Uh, but I'm going to go get Pitts in this situation. You know, like I said, I was in McBride as the second uh, running back, so I liked it a little bit more before I saw, saw Ty Chandler. But, I mean, Kincaid in two seconds for Pitts from what he was going for pre-last year, uh, I think it's a good move. Yeah, someone spent a lot of money to get him, and then it's, people are getting sick of the bad rumor, Rumorville. I like I, I've seen what Pitts already did on the field. I don't know what Kincaid is. I feel like Kincaid is honestly, to, to be honest with you, I feel like Kincaid is a CEH of tight ends for this year. He was somebody who's ranked so far down, and just because he had a draft capital and landed in a good spot, that's all they care about right now. I know he's got good hands and all that stuff, but you know, Dennis, what do you think about this trade? Uh, I want the Pitts side. McBride had a rough game. You know, he, he played a couple plays, uh, clearly made a mistake, and then they put him on ice uh, and were playing uh, Kene Nwangu. So I still I, – McBride is a dynamic runner. He's a zero in the passing game at this point, but he's got fantastic contact balance. He's got good speed. Um, I, I think, you know, he's one of these guys – I think he could be better than Brian Robinson because he's a more dynamic runner. But I think that's the role you're looking for for Dwayne McBride if you're rostering him. But Kyle Pitts, I still believe in Kyle Pitts. Um, I'm not – 
Kincaid in 224 seconds. To me, that seems like a steal. McBride feels like gravy in that. Yeah, that's the way I looked at it, too. I couldn't believe it was sent to me, too. So I'm like, take it. Even, even right. better. You got to love that. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, I, 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 I did love it. I took it, and I'm going to run with this for a long time. All right, Michael Mayer and Zay Flowers for Dalton Kincaid. Another Dalton Kincaid trade. Dalton Kincaid, Jamal Williams, and Jalen Hyatt. So Michael Mayer and Zay Flowers for Kincaid, Jamal Williams, and Jalen Hyatt. I kind of see Michael Mayer and Kincaid, you know, kind of Kincaid maybe a little bit more, you know, initially. But long term, I like Mayer as a better player. Zay Flowers is way better than Jamal Williams, Jalen Hyatt in my eyes. So how do you guys see this trade? Uh, Dennis Gold, you go. I think Mayer, the thing with Mayer is he's not a super good athlete. He's a really good tight end. And so he's going to be more of a traditional tight end. He's going to outsnap Dalton Kincaid every year of their career. But I don't know that he's going to out-target Dalton Kincaid. Um, but Mayer, I think, is a little bit better of a red zone threat. Uh, he's a big guy there. You know, Jamal Williams is – you know, the sunset's coming. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, there's a lot of questions. Zay Flowers was a better prospect than Hyatt. If, if if I'm looking to get something for this year, I'm probably taking the Jamal Williams side because I think Williams is going to be the best player in this trade this season. Um, but I like the, the Mayor Flowers side overall for just dynasty future. JT? Yep, I'm agreeing. I like Mayor Flowers. <clears throat> exactly what you said. I think Kincaid and Mayor pretty even. I think Kincaid's a little ahead of him as far as a wide receiver, but I would much rather have Flowers over Williams and Hyatt. I, yes. I'd take Flowers for So that that to me, I'm making that deal. Rasheed Rice in a mid-24 third for Rashawn Johnson. I'm saying mid-24 third because the player that it has, this team's, you know, is becoming second, like the sixth, seventh, eighth place for the last couple of years, he's pretty much in the same situation with same draft pick. So Rasheed Rice in the mid-24 third for Roshan Johnson. JT, what do you think? Uh, this would be a little more team-specific for me. I think it's pretty even trade. Um, if I needed wide receiver a little more, I'd probably go right side. If I'm actually like, hey, I really need like a third or fourth running back, I could see going Roshan for sure. Um, I'm probably not knowing what the team needed. I'm probably going Rice in the third. But that's just because I like those third round picks. I always feel like I get great value and get good guys there. And I feel like Roshan and Rice are right next to each other in draft. So for me, I think it's a really even deal. I'm probably taking the Rice side, but if I need running back more, I'm taking the Roshan side. Dennis? It, the challenge with Rashi Rice is that he's got to learn how to be a different type of wide receiver in the NFL. And by that, I don't mean running routes. I mean, at five foot ten and two hundred pounds, he wanted to play. He spent his college career playing like he was six foot four and two twenty, and he's not going to transfer that to the NFL very well. He needs to be a, a super proficient route runner. And then you add to it, he went to one of the most complicated offenses in the NFL. That's why I like Zay, uh, oh, Sky Moore this year, is because. Moore has been in that offense for a year now. He's comfortable. He's learning how Patrick Mahomes plays and what that offense is about. So I'm looking for Sky Moore to take a, a jump this year. 
And I would look for Rashi Rice to do that next year. So if I'm patient and I don't need Rice, I'm going to take Rice in the third uh, just because of the longer runway for wide receivers than running backs in Dynasty. Jacoby Myers are an early 24 third. Do uh, I need a wide receiver five on my team? Yeah, again, it seemed to – I'm probably taking the third-round pick. Um, but if I'm, like, in a league where it's best ball or I it's a start, like, 12 league and I need it, I, Jacoby will actually play for me on a on a either week-to-week basis or be a fill-in during bye weeks, then i probably make the trade for Jacoby. But not knowing that, I'm probably taking the third. Yeah. yeah. The, the thought of having uh, Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell um, be the quarterback for the wide receiver three on a team, you know, that's, that's, you know, he's the, I, I think uh, Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams are going to be clearly ahead of him, but uh, it, you know, it's, yeah, the, it's the pick for me. All right, very good. Those trades happen this week in the Mighty McGlynn Dynasty League, so just wanted to kind of evaluate them. Every week we'll evaluate the trades that happen in my home leagues. Uh, so these also we do a team evaluation every week for one of the teams in my home leagues. It's it's uh it's said in, you know it's from a player from a team that I choose out or, or somebody wants me to look at their team after a draft or after a trade. What's the biggest needs of this team? When you look at this team, what direction do you, should they go and why? What are you trading for if you're rebuilding? What are you keeping if you're contending? This is a brand new startup that, you know, JT and I were both in. It's 12 teams. It's only 25-man rosters right now, the initial year. It'll go up to 30 next year. No kicker, no defense. Ten starters, quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, two flex and a super flex, 15 bench spot, five-point pass and touchdowns, six points rushing and receiving points, touchdowns. Bonuses 100 and 200, uh, same and receiving and rushing. Three and four hundred yards for passing, half point PPR for wide receiver, one point PPR for running back, and one and a half for tight end scoring. So I sent you guys a team if you want to pull that up. So what we got here is uh, it's Adam Hutchinson's team. It's he's got C.J. Stroud, Aaron Rodgers, Mac Jones, and Aiden O'Connell as his quarterbacks. He's got Bijan, Christian McCaffrey, obviously the, the shining part of his entire roster right here. Ken Walker and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. His top five running backs are pretty solid. Then it drops down to Kendry Miller, Pierre Strong, CEH, Melvin Gordon, Rico Dowdle. Uh, his wide receivers, you know, they're okay, nothing special. But, I, you know, I, Amari Cooper's been a solid contributor. Uh, that's you – know, I'll say that. Marvin Mims, who I like a lot. A lot of opportunity on this guy's in the horizon for this young man. Brandon Cooks has been good receiver pretty much everywhere he's gone. OBJ, he's on the, you know, the, the twilight of his career, but he's still, you know, this year anyway – and this might bridge a gap for him to just – he went running back so early, so he had to pick up somebody late. Tank Dell, Curtis Samuel, Michael Thomas, if he pans out, it's a cheap pickup. Devontae Parker. He's got Dulcich, Hunter Henry, which it seems to be a nice late-round pick now with Kaseki injury and Kaseki bad news in camp. Tyra Kekel, a little underrated. Adam Troutman getting a lot of buzz in camp right now too. So uh, you look at this team, obviously we look at the running backs being this – the star of the franchise here. We're not sure what's going to happen with Stroud yet. Rogers, we, we pretty much know what we're going to get here, but how much time we have left is a different story. Mac Jones, I'm not sure that it's going to last very long. Aiden O'Connell. What do you guys <clears> – JT, you've been here before, so I'm going to start with you. If you were this team, it's first year, 
you really can't do much because it's only 25 man rosters. It's kind of hard to move guys around or, you know, everybody just, everybody's got that warm and fuzzy feeling just post draft about their team. So it's kind of hard to move guys right now. What do you think that Adam should do here with this team he's got? Yeah. When I um, initially looked at this draft, I actually really like this team. And the more I look it over, I don't like it as much as when I saw him drafted. I liked it because I liked all the running backs. I thought he crushed it running back, got a lot of good ones. My worry is I think he could probably compete this year and be in the mix. I don't think he could win it. And my worry is long-term on this team is wide receivers are real poor. Uh, He's got some older guys. I mean, if I'm starting Michael Thomas and uh, Brandon Cooks are my definite two and three guys, clear cut. I'm a little worried beyond – I'm worried this season, but I'm real worried beyond this season. Um, And then the quarterback play, Rodgers, you know, still a solid player. He's not been fantastic for fantasy the last couple years. C.J. Stroud, I loved coming into the draft. I'm really worried about that offensive line. And as Mac Jones is his third quarterback, that's where I think this team ends up faltering. I think the wideouts and the quarterbacks end up getting him in trouble. I, I love the running backs. If he can, you know, someone like J.K. Dobbins can hit early and he could trade away him and package him for somebody. Um, I mean, I love Bijan, love CMC. Two guys I really wanted in this draft and didn't get. Uh, so I like the running backs, but that's my worry. This team, I feel like a really like take a shot this year team. And then we could be in trouble here in the near future with these wide receivers and quarterbacks. Dennis, what are you thinking? You know, the running back depth is really good. And there's, you, you only have two flexes. So that, that is beneficial. So having, figuring out how not to have JK Dobbins or Cam Akers or Kenneth Walker on my bench is going to be key here. Uh, with these smaller rosters, you, you know, you want to figure out how can I get the best starting lineup? I get it. Maybe you draft five startable running backs to insulate yourself against CMC potentially getting injured again, or maybe Acres doesn't pan out coming back from his injury, uh, or maybe Charbonnet comes on and Walker ends up being in such a timeshare it, it doesn't, you know, there, there's not a ton of value there. I agree with you. The wide receivers are old. He's got Mims and he's got Dell. Those are his only two young players at wide receiver. I don't know what we're expecting out of Devontae Parker. We got our fingers crossed and we're saying our our fathers and Hail Marys, hoping OBJ can be something. If OBJ has if OBJ has a comeback season, the tenor of this team changes a ton. That really bumps up uh, the wide receiver core. It moves Michael Thomas probably to the bench. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I think he's going to have a good year. Dallas is a high-powered offense. Cleveland is, is going to have a pretty good season. I like Amari Cooper, but those guys aren't young. And so he doesn't have a ton of youth on this team. The weakest position to me is tight end. We just don't like he's got Greg Dulcich, Hunter Henry, and Tyler Conklin and Adam Troutman. You know, none of those guys that, that that's a you're going to spend all like five days leading up to setting your lineup, trying to figure out which one has the best matchup to get you 6.8 points. You know, the, none of the, you're not going to get 20 point weeks out of any of these tight ends. So if I do have somebody start to go off and look great, whether it's OBJ 
or Cam Akers or, or um, J.K. Dobbins or something. I'm going to try to upgrade my tight end. I'm going to you know, start selling a 27-year-old David Njoku as a guy that I want to get included in a trade or Dalton Schultz even who's older but stands to be one of the most highly targeted tight ends there in Houston. Uh, to me, C.J. Stroud is the QB3 on this team. It's Rodgers, it's Mac Jones, and then it's Stroud. Until Stroud shows that he can step up there and, and take it, it, it's Mac Jones to me. I think Mac Jones has a chip on his shoulder after having to deal with a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator as his offensive play callers last year. Jones has a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to make sure people know he's a good quarterback. So I feel, you know, is he going to be QB5? No, but he could be QB14, and out of your QB2, you'll take that. So I I agree with you, JT. I'm looking for a couple guys to pop off so I can move them to fortify other positions. Yeah, I, uh, I, when, when this draft is going on, I, I was sitting in the draft be like, man, this team's good. But yeah, like I had a lot of sticker shock from the running backs, but it's, yeah, it, the more you sit back and like you know, kind of see the 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 whole landscape of things, it's um definitely definitely needs some work. But it's 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 one of the it's in the middle. It's definitely in the middle. Probably one of the better you know top seven, number seven, eight, nine kind of team. But uh, yeah, just the running backs and God forbid if there's an injury or something like that with the, you had the running backs. GM from Dynasty Nerd, you'd know exactly where it was ranked. There. <laughs> exactly. I do actually. I didn't pull it up right now, but. Yeah, boy, I actually thing. love that Schultz idea. I think the Schultz idea at tight end, I love that idea. Um, I, I like. I think Mac's going to be better this year. Uh, just with the the change in offensive coordinator, I actually think buying low on him is a good idea. I again, I like he said. I think OBJ and Michael Thomas, if they can somehow, you know, regain those years of old and play solid, this team's going to be a lot better. If both those guys bomb. Man, his wide receiver core is really going to hurt unless Mims comes out of nowhere and becomes like the wide receiver two for the Broncos. Because it just feels like he has a lot of wide receiver twos on his team with no clear cut number ones. And the same thing, tight end. A lot of lot of tight end, low end tight end twos, high end tight end threes, and no, you know, no top of the line guys. Dennis, could you plug this team in as part of the Dynasty GM and already mm-hmm. see it? Like or is that one of the factors? Like you could just look up any league anywhere, or you can only do leagues that you. No, I, I could. I could look at. I could manually enter it as like one of my own teams. Okay. But I can't pull up. I, I don't have the admin access to just pull up random leagues. The whole league. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. This is so his team they, is they actually my powers because of how awesome I am. <laughs> I, I got it right. He's like the number seventh best team. I'm. I'm only at the bottom. I traded away to get my quarterback set up in year one. I got Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that that was a good start for me. I thought I had to trade some things away to get, uh, you know, those two good quarterbacks to move forward on. But I um, I kind of punted away for a little, for a while. But I have good quarterbacks for a while. That's all I really care about. Starting a dynasty team. Uh, it's an in person league, so I, I don't. Really, I'm not worried about people quitting or running away all the time because you know they do all have another in person person. You know, a lot of people waiting to get in dynasty leagues and are do in person stuff. So. But Hutch is number seven in this league. But it's a very, you know, there's a couple teams on top that are really like the one one person. Where am I at, in that mix? Where am I at? Uh, you are right at number one, two, three, four, five. You're number six. You're right in the middle, JT. 
right I'm at the very bottom. Line. It's me, Tim George, Joseph Herf, NFL, P2W, Chris Joel Smith, JT Orange, Hutch, LP, LP Bears has all of my picks and all my players, but he's got my Mark Andrews. He's got all the rest of the players because I traded in the world to get Trevor Lawrence from him, but I don't, I don't, you know, I have Patrick Mahomes from him, but I don't care. I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes and all that stuff. Then behind the Zach, Pat Fitzmorris, uh, Brian Watson, and Nate Powell is uh, top of the list right here. So, but literally, I'm at 34 and the top person's at 52. So it's not like I've seen some, like if you go on some of the other league analyzer and the tools here, which is pretty nice, I've had some where guys have like had like 86 and the other people are like 18. So this league's not that far apart, to be honest with you. It's one of my closer leagues, to be to be honest, but it's brand new also. We just got done with the draft. It'll take a while for people to kind of, you know, scrape away from each other. But I'm surprised I'm even close to anybody else with all the stuff I gave away to get Patrick Mahomes. But also, Patrick Mahomes counts a lot on these trade calculators, too. So, so the, the thing that I would have questioned is, so you've got five starting running backs. I don't understand drafting Melvin Gordon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Rico, Rico Dottle, Pierre Strong. It, you know, that that to me, is it seems like there, there would have been either better tight ends or better wide receivers to take a shot on. To, to be fair, those are both waiver wire pickups since he drafted the team, so he's dropped players to, to pick – and he, he picked up Adam Troutman, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Rico Dowdle. So I'm not sure exactly who his original team was, but I know that he got rid of a couple guys to pick them up. He also picked up Devontae Parker. So he's got rid of four guys to pick up four new players. Who do you think he's going to cut to get rid so he can move J, J.K. Dobbins to the active roster? <sighs> I – shit. I don't know. He's got, to move, he's got one extra person. You're right. So I, I'm not sure what uh, – he's got to cut like Devontae Parker. He's got to cut Rico Dowdle or – or um, probably Melvin Gordon is what's going to happen. That's that's who's going to cut. I, I'd leave Rodrigo down. At least he's got a, some path to relevance if something happens. Melvin Gordon is a he's already they're already talking about a cut candidate, and I think he's washed anyway. So definitely Melvin Gordon. So that's it, guys. I thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's I like to keep these shows under about an hour or so. It's been an hour and fifty seven minutes, so we did perfect. Um, great job. <laughs> We're right there as usual, as usual. So, well, but, John, uh, I haven't been on forever. You know, I had to get on here and just chat it up. So that's I, that's it, my my fault, like always. And you know, the thing is, it takes. We did like thirty seven minutes in the intros, and I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, okay, here goes the show. I know it's gonna be a long one. If the last, it just seems like the last couple of times when I get I get through the intros in like five minutes, the show is like right around an hour. Bob Bob Harris is on last week, and we were done in one hour and like. 1.00.1313. I'm like, Bob, I don't know how this happened, but it'd be fantastic. So, Bob's a uh, licensed professional. Yes. <laughs> Dennis, tell us everybody where can find you again, all that stuff, what you do. You know, why do people in uh, you know, the fantasy football world want to follow you, all that stuff like that, where they can find you at when they do? You can find me at culture underscore coach on the X machine. Um, I'm at Down in Dynasty on Instagram, but I don't. I still haven't gotten to. I, I don't do a whole lot of stuff on Instagram yet. I, uh, uh, yeah, Twitter's the place to find me. There you go, JT. Yep, you can find me on the X Twitter, as I like to call it, uh, at JT Orange. Uh, hit me up on there. I'm on a uh, bunch of different discords. One I'm on a lot is uh, Dynasty Theory. I'm in there all the time, answering questions. Uh, given my votes and whatnot. Uh, you can find me here on the Commission Valuation Podcast with my boy John, also on the Stew with JT Brew. Uh, get me over there on the Dynasty um, Pros websites, excuse me. And then also, if you're in the IDP, 
I have all kinds of IDP content and rankings on DLF. Thank you. I'm John McLean. You can find me on X Machine. The you say the Twitter machine that Chris Joel Smith made fun of me for it all the time. So I'll say the X the X machine now. So we have to start like a new. He's got a, like a Ten Commandments, all the things I say all the time, and what I do, and how what I reference, and it's gonna have like a bingo for John McLean every time he says it. Somebody gets a prize kind of thing. So Boom. yeah, exactly. But John McLean seventy five on 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 the X. Uh, and that's about it where I do all of my stuff at. I'm not good with the other Insta faces and everything else, the snap face and whatever. My kids do that, but I'm trying to catch up now. By the time I figure it out, it'll be time to retire. So thank you very much for paying, for coming in, for stopping in, for coming in. This is my maiden voyage on the fan tracks journey here. So thanks for being part of it, guys. And uh, here's my son. McGlynn is in. I repeat. This is the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with your host, John McGlynn. Is that Herms? He got them guests on the Rolodex, stopping by to talk about some Dynasty Superflex. Everybody, yo, commish is in. It's time to sit down to listen to John McGlynn. Yo, who we trading, who we fading, who we getting off the squad. Knowledge never overrated, playing for number one. And yo, McGlynn is in. It's time to let the fun begin. It's the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with John McGlynn.